that Boaz instructed his workers to leave grain behind for Ruth to glean from the fields. The widow of Zarephath, she was nearly out of food, yet she prepared a meal for Elijah. Moses, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And with God's help, he was a compassionate leader in spite of his human failures. Joseph, being severely mistreated and sold to slavery, he forgave his brothers and had compassion on them when he had everything in his power to take advantage of the situation and pay them back. Dorcas, she met the needs of those around her, caring for the widows and providing clothing for the poor. Paul, the Apostle Paul, journey from hatred to compassion. We read how we read in the scriptures how Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, it says that in Acts 9. But then on the Damascus road, he met God. He had a heart change, hatred to compassion. Matthew 14, verse 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. The greatest example we have in the Bible is Jesus. Jesus is our perfect example of compassion. The Gospels are full of his healing of the sick, caring for the needy, and forgiving sins. He did and is still doing an eternal work of saving mankind. Perhaps one of the most touching stories or examples of Jesus' compassion is at the grave of Lazarus in John 11, 33 through 36. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Our Heavenly Father is a compassionate God. Psalm 86 Verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. God's compassion is infinite and eternal. In Lamentations, we read that God's compassions are new every morning, and they fail not. So where does a heart of compassion come from, and how important is it that we have a heart of compassion? Remember when the religious leaders tried to stump Jesus and trap him with a question in Matthew. We turn to that if you like, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This means that compassion is not just an attribute of God, but it's also a quality of God's people. God's love and compassion changes our hearts, and we in turn have hearts of love and compassion. So quite plainly, really, uh, we are not people of God if we do not have hearts of compassion. 1 John 3, verse 17 and 18, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
we see, the, see in these verses that hearts of compassion spill over and move into action. Hearts of compassion make a difference in the world around, around them. All right, let me turn to Luke chapter 10. This is where these verses we will look at the rest of the sermon. Luke 10, 25 through 37. The familiar story of the Good Samaritan. To read verses 25 through 37, Luke chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. In these verses, again, we have Jesus pointing out the uh, most important things for the believer. Loving God with all the heart, soul, strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. The lawyer, it seems, felt a bit judged. This man is telling me that I'm not keeping the whole law, that I'm not loving my neighbor. So he fires back, well, who is my neighbor? I wonder if I myself sometimes am not a bit confused who my neighbor is. Maybe it's not even confusion. Maybe it's actually cold-hearted selfishness that chooses to look the other way and I focus on my little world of things and all of my big problems that never end. Nobody looks out for me, so I need to look out for myself. We, like this man, deserve to be told where we missed it. What about the homeless people on the street? Yes, they are there here in Creston as well. Um, what about the hurting, struggling people in our church community? Is it possible we are missing it? Are we reaching out? Is all that we know in our small little world, and we barely connect with our brothers and sisters? Different stages in life affect how far we can reach. But if we have a heart of compassion, we will reach out every chance we get. Too often, we actually don't even know who our neighbors are. That's why Jesus in compassion gives this story to illustrate and drive the point home to this lawyer and to us as well. And I, I can say this morning, I know that Jesus is at work here. I've seen compassion here, and I appreciate that. But I know for myself, and I'm sure for all of us, we have ways we can grow in, and I want to 
take a look at compassion this morning. All right, one of the first pitfalls we fall into when we see someone in need is we jump to conclusions and we judge. Why was this traveler traveling here by himself anyway? This road between Jerusalem and Jericho was known for its danger. It was about 21 miles in distance. It was a wild, rugged, rocky pass much of the way. Thieves loved this spot, and it was well known for such such situations, and therefore called the Way of Blood. Travelers never traveled there alone. They always traveled in caravans. So really, wasn't this traveler irresponsible, foolish, reckless? Who are we to judge? Haven't we all found ourselves results of wrong and bad choices? I think it's safe to say that all of us have blindly or even willingly headed on into that dangerous path alone, knowing full well that danger and failure were bound to happen. Compassion loves and cares no matter how the situation came into effect, whether on purpose, by accident, or simply by the hand of God. The next pitfall we can find ourselves in is to be like the priest. This priest, it says, passed by on the other side. Why do you think he passed by on the other side? Seems he was in a hurry. He had an ego to maintain, possibly. Also, as a priest, if he would touch a dead body, he would be unclean for seven days. He may have, he may have to sacrifice his primary work and privilege, in quotes, for this man. God's greatest work is to have hearts of compassion and to share God's love and compassion to others. Form, rituals, ceremonies, and busyness have their place, but it must not take the place of the love of Jesus in our hearts. I want to be careful how I say this because I by no means want to undermine the importance of worship and fellowship in Jesus' church form and function and all the important things of strong brotherhood. But I do think that it is very easy to lose focus, not because of the faults and failures of brotherhood, form, function, and standards, but because of our own carnal hearts. We need hearts of compassion that see everything within these four walls, and hearts of compassion that see beyond these four walls. I still believe we have a need for a bigger church building. I need a better school facility. We've been waiting a long time for that. We've been praying about that. But a thought that really challenged me is this. How much less would be invested in buildings and facilities if men were seen as half-dead travelers who needed our compassion and help? Church life and community is very important, but it really is useless if we don't have hearts of compassion and reach out to the needy souls around us. All right, I'm going to read a few verses. You may turn there if you want. I'll probably read through them fairly quickly. Matthew 25, verses 41 through 43. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Luke 12, verse 47. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. James 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Hosea 6, verse 6. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, 
and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And Micah 6, verse 8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. All right, another pitfall is that of the Levite. It started out good. He was touched with enough feeling to walk over and look upon the man to see at least what had happened or how bad it really was. But maybe that isn't so good after all. We'd never do this, but have we? We're glad to know about it, but to make a difference and do something about it, not so much. Maybe he feared being identified as a robber, the one who hurt and mistreated this man. Maybe he feared the robbers could still be lurking around. They could be anywhere. Let's, let's get out of here before something happens to me. Maybe he looked too far gone already and there was no hope. Besides, how do you carry a full-grown man down a treacherous trail by yourself? Better one dies than two. Well, in the following verses I'm going to read, we see the cost of hearts that aren't compassionate. Um, Luke 16, verses 9 through 23 There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. James 2, verses 14 through 16. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye have given them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. 1 John 3, verses 17 and eighteen, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels and compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And then first John, that was first John three, seventeen through eighteen, but Psalm one hundred nine, sixteen through seventeen, because that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man, that he might even slay the broken in heart. As he loved cursing, so let him come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. Proverbs 21, verse 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth the soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Ezekiel 34, verses 2 and 4. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? The diseased have ye not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again that which is driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. We looked at several pitfalls that we want to avoid. The third man who came upon the scene, the Good Samaritan, placed compassion before everything. Prejudice, opinion, work, time, and energy, and money. It didn't matter. His heart went out to this hurt and potentially dying man. Do you remember the rift that the Jews and the Gentiles had? 
these two different races hated and despised each other. Samaria was the central part of Palestine. Palestine was a small country. It was 112, sorry, 120 miles north to south, and it was divided into three sections. Judea on the south and Galilee on the north, and between these two sections was Samaria. The Samaritans were looked down on for more than one reason. They were half-Jews by birth and half-Jews by religion. In 720 BC, the king of Assyria captured the ten tribes of Israel and deported a large number of them throughout Media. He then took people from all over the Assyrian Empire and transplanted them into Samaria to repopulate the land. They were considered transplanted people. They were considered the weak of the land who had been left behind. And they were considered the outcast and irreligious who had intermarried with the original Samaritans. The strict Jews held to a pure race, so that in the eyes so in the eyes of the um, Jews, this this was evil. The transplanted heathen, of course, um, brought their gods with them, but the God of Israel eventually won out, but the religion of the Samaritans never became pure Judaism. And three things happened to cause this. We have when Ezra, Ezra led the Jews back from exile in Babylon, the first thing the Jews did was start rebuilding the temple. The Samaritans offered to help them, but the Jews rejected their help, declaring that the Samaritans, through intermarriage, and worship of false gods had lost the purity and forfeited their right to worship the only true God. This embittered the Samaritans against the Jews in Jerusalem. Well, the Samaritans built a temple on Mount Gerizim to complete to compete with the Jewish um, temple at Jerusalem. In John 4, 20 and 21, when Jesus was speaking with the Samaritan woman at the well, remember that story, very familiar, um, she mentions this. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Also, the Samaritans accepted only the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They claimed that the Mount Gerizim was the mountain that Abraham offered Isaac, that it was where Melchizedek met Abraham and where Moses built his first altar after leading Israel out of bondage. These details all played into the hatred and tenseness that the Gentiles and Jews had towards each other. So back to the Good Samaritan. He had a lot of reason, if anyone did, to keep his distance. Here was a Jew in need. Jews cursed the Samaritans. What if when this Jew is healed, he would turn around and curse him? Despite all the fears he may have had, he reached out with a heart of compassion. All right, he took significant steps to help this man. And I think it does us a lot of good to consider, consider them as we ponder whether we have hearts of compassion ourselves and whether we see and love our neighbors as we should. Right, the first one, he went to him. He went forth. He reached out personally to help. How personable are we? Are we can people see love in our eyes? He bound up his wounds to ease the pain. What are we doing to make life easier for others? He poured oil and wine into his wounds, gave of his own goods. He set him on his own beast, sacrificed his own comfort. He would have to walk beside the beast. He provided rooming for him, provided the basic necessities of life. He took care of him. And again, this is personally nursed and looked after him personally. And then finally, we see that he received. He, conti- he made sure that 
this man would continue to receive support when he himself could no longer do it. And in this list, there are three things that compassion cost him. And the same three things are going to cost us as well when we show compassion is time, energy, and money. The more I pondered that thought, the more I realized it was true. And, and no wonder it's so hard to do sometimes. A heart of compassion takes a lot out of us, really. It cost us our most valuable things, time, energy, money. Compassion is not compassion until we get up and do something about it. Empathy and pity have feelings for the need, but compassion seeks to make a change and alleviate the problem. Jesus asked the lawyer, Which now these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? We know as well as the lawyer who the good neighbor was. The, Samaritans had a heart of, the Samaritan had a heart of compassion. We know that not all Samaritans were that way, but this particular Samaritan had a heart of compassion. How is our heart? In verse 37, Jesus says, Go and do thou likewise. That's a call to us as well. Go and do thou likewise. How do we do this? What exactly should we be doing? Let's go to the scriptures. And um, we can apply those scriptures to our lives. It's going to be different for all of us what we can be doing. But the scriptures tell us to be compassionate. Let me turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verses 34, 35 through 40. Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw thee we a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. You as well as I sometimes think that compassion is hard to do. But in these verses here, they're like, when did we do this? It should be a way of life. And when we get to judgment today, judgment day and Jesus says, this is what you did. And, and we just thank the Lord. All right, Acts 20, verse 35. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Romans 12, verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Galatians 6, verse 2. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Exodus 23, verse 4, If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. Leviticus 25, 35, And if thy brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him, yea, thou he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19, For the Lord your God is... God of gods and the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which guardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger. 
and giving him food and raiment. Love you therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers. Proverbs 24, verse 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. And Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt eat coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. The story is told of a group of horse riders sitting by the riverside. Beside them was an old man who was waiting for a ride to get across the river. To the old man, the weight fell endless, and his body became numb and still from the cold winds. Soon, one by one, the three riders, sorry, the riders started to get up and go across the river. Anxiously, the old man watched as they began to leave. He let first one pass without any effort to get his attention, and then another. Finally, the last rider spotted the old man. As this one drew near, the old man said, Sir, would you mind giving this old man a ride to the other side? There doesn't seem to be a bridge or any passageway by foot. The rider replied, Sure thing, hop aboard. The rider saw that the old man's body was too stiff because of the cold to move and get on the horse, so he dismounted and helped him out. The rider did more than just take him across the river. He took him on further a few miles to his destination. As they were nearing the old man's cottage, the rider inquired, Sir, I noticed that you let several other riders pass by without making an effort to secure a ride. In such bitter weather, why would you wait so long to ask for a ride? I was the last one to leave. What if I had refused and left you there? In the meantime, they reached the destination. The old man lowered himself down from the horse and looked straight into the rider's eyes and replied, I have been around for some time. I reckon I know people pretty good. I looked into the eyes of the other riders and immediately knew there was no concern for my situation. It would have been useless to ask them for a ride. But when I looked into your eyes, kindness and compassion were evident. I knew then and there that your gentle spirit would not refuse and would give me assistance in my time of need. The rider was touched deeply and thanked the old man. In his heart, he determined to never get too busy in his own affairs, that he would fail to respond in kindness and compassion. Do I have a heart of compassion? I profess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But is it evident? If you can't see compassion evident in my life, do I really have Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Are you a priest, a Levite, or a Samaritan? We know that there could have been a good priest, there could have been a good Levite. But the challenge is, where is our hearts? Where are our hearts? I'm very sure that we have fallen short as the priest and the Levite did and allow our hard hearts to be caught up in ourselves. But let's determine with God's help to have hearts of compassion and reach out to others. So who really is your neighbor? Let's go for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you loved us and help us in turn to show love to the world around us in compassion, have hearts of compassion. We pray, Lord, that you would be with those in this province and across the country and other countries as well who are facing fires, their homes are being burnt. pray that you would give them grace and through it all somehow see you in it and draw closer to you. Pray, Lord, you would bless all of us here this morning, help us to go forth strong and encouraged, and help us to keep our hearts pure. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.